Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast, it's the football podcast. Bit of a bumper one this week. It's, uh, yeah, a lot of content. Uh, we've got the transfer window closing, which featured a lot of business. So I think that uh, added to the time, but certainly a bumper edition. Before we get started, please do consider like, share, subscribe, and comment. Leave a review where you can leave a review. Big one there is share the podcast around. If you've got a football fan in your life, send them this podcast. They might even thank you for it. Right, let's get started. Here we go. This is Cookie Cast, the football podcast. Recording in progress. Yes, indeed. The recording is in progress. Welcome along, ladies and gentlemen. It's another episode of the Cookie Cast Podcast Network's football special. Obviously, I come to you with the three smiling faces you see in, uh, in front of you if you watch on the YouTube. Myself, Mr. Cook, Mr. Woman, see Mr. Moore. How are we this week, gents? Well, oh, alright. So we come to you off the back of the slamming shut of the transfer window. And all that means is that we have to do a roundup of the business that was done on the last couple of days between our last recording and today's recording. Um, I'll start, as it turns out my club don't like to sign players, so um, they just think it's a good idea to sell loads of them off. Um, so that was nice. So they started with the biggest deal of, uh, of, of their particular uh, transfer deadline day. In the, they shipped out Morgan Rogers. I know you're all thinking, but hang on a second, hasn't he just joined the club? You would be correct in thinking that. He had just joined the club from Manchester City in the summer for a reported £1 million. Um, he... Uh, he has since joined Aston Villa in what was described as an undisclosed fee, um, but a lot of a lot of websites have seemed to uh, indicate that it's eight million pounds upfront, um, with the potential that it could rise to as much as sixteen million with add-ons. So, paid a million for him in the summer, and they've managed to potentially get sixteen times that figure back. Apparently, Man City do have a sell-on clause, however, so they get 25% of any profit made on the transfer. So if someone was saying, well, it's just $2 million then, isn't it? And it's like, no, because that's not... Like, $8 million wasn't the profit, $7 million was the profit, and you have to work out 25% of that, and I'm not that good at maths. It's about $1.75 million-ish, I think. And um, I'm assuming it keeps, on keep on going up with add-ons as well. I, I imagine so. I imagine it's a case of whatever his final fee is the final fee that's commanded if he makes all these add-ons, they'd have to pay percentages of that to Man City as part of the agreement when they sign it. So we'll see. I, I, I always like things like that because is that like a? I know we can't want to crack on, but like, do they have to pay it in? Like, all oh, right, we've got twenty-five percent this time, so here's this bit. Or do they wait till everything's kind of come through and whether all the add-ons have gone through and they go, here it is at the end? Or is it like, oh, 
you know, like, can you, when you owe someone some money, you go, ah, oh, I've got 20 quid, there's like 20 quid of that 100 that I owe you, kind of thing. <laughs> and then you go, ah, oh, there's a fiver that I found, I just found that down the back of the sofa. The funniest thing for me, the funniest thing for me with the with the salon clubs is, is these clubs that you wear that like. So the biggest example that I can think of was Theo Walcott when uh, when Southampton sold him to Arsenal, and obviously they sold him for the upfront fee, but then they had loads of add-ons put into it, and if he got sold on or if he made England appearances, etc., etc., they'd get more money, and then obviously suddenly Southampton went into the absolute shit financial wise. So basically, Arsenal agreed to buy out his clauses for like reduced fees or higher fees whichever way you want to look at it and obviously then they kind of got money up front but then sacrificed probably more money further down the line and stuff like that so it'd be interesting to see what the clauses are that have been inserted into the deal um, but Morgan Rogers goes to Aston Villa on a permanent basis um, a guy from the uh, young lad from the academy um, Brian Belongo not a name we've heard on the podcast before. He is a, uh, a young left-back who was only in the uh, youth setup has joined Ebbsfleet on a loan deal until the end of the season just to get some game time. I think he's quite highly regarded in the uh, in the under-23s. Um, and then a woman came a bit out of left field. Um, striker Callum Kavanagh, who had made his first team debut earlier this season, had a couple of games in the... Carabao Cup and came on in a league game, I believe. Um, I think there was talks of him going out on loan, um, and he's gone to Bradford City on a permanent. So, no idea that one. That one, that one came out a bit out of left field. Everyone thought he was just going to be going on a loan deal, but he has signed a permanent place with Bradford City. Um, so it was all the more strange in the fact that uh, obviously at the moment we are very short in the striking areas. Um, so it seemed a bit of a backwards move letting go a what was potentially a, a good uh, prospect on a permanent basis. I imagine there's a buyback clause that's been set in the deal, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, there is talk as well, uh, even though the transfer window is now closed. It does remain open in other parts of the world, and apparently today they've agreed to let Matt Crooks go to the state to discuss a move with a, a team in America. So there was a possibility that by the time we record next week, Matt Crooks could also be added to that list. Um, which one of you boys wants to take the next bullet in? As um, you've both got a fair bit of stuff to go through, probably Stu more so than Matt. But um, I'll, I'll leave it up to you boys as to which one of you wants to go next. Do you want to go, Matt? Yeah, yeah, I'll go through. So, Forrest have done what you might call a reverse Forrest. Uh, this uh, this um, Christmas transfer window, shall we say? I think, I mean, we've not quite discussed it yet. We'll perhaps maybe discuss it either now or at the end of the podcast. Um, we've been threatening to talk about it for two or three weeks. Um, obviously, with Forrest's financial fair play situation or PSR or God knows what it's going to be called next when they manage to fix it so that the top clubs manage to stay way ahead of the bottom clubs. Um, but kind of made a conscious decision not to go nuts. Uh, and then just couldn't quite resist it right near the end. So, um, so kind of good signings, I think. So, Gio Reyna, they, they signed um, 
I what's his dad called? I can't remember. You know when he, like, his dad's name kept on dropping in and out of his, out of my head? Claudia. Yeah. Played at Sunderland as well, didn't he? So he's, uh, so he came on loan. Initially, they thought it was a loan with a view to buy, but apparently it's, as they call on Sky Sports, a straight loan. Not a curvy lo- loan, not around the houses lo- loan, just a straight loan, a Roman road of a loan. Alright, um... We also then signed Rodrigo Ribeiro, which genuinely sounds like a fast show character, uh, <laughs> dating ourselves, uh, from Real Betis. Oh, I can't know. Um, uh, and uh, loan with a view with a view component deal. Apparently, he's 18 years old, so I think is a kind of maybe a Nuno special. Nobody knows or has heard of or seen um, his potential. And then on uh, on tra- mainly on this main, this was the only one really of transfer deadline day. I think Ribeiro was confirmed on transfer deadline day, but we've pretty much done it beforehand. After trying to buy possibly every goalkeeper in Europe, Africa, Asia, the United States, um, keepers of unfound planets in the outside of our solar system. Um, we settled on Matt Sells from Salzburg for five million, which took, took the total briefly up to six goalkeepers in the uh, in the uh, in the building, uh, which I kind of referred to as maybe they're trying to build a super goalkeeper like the Power Rangers. Uh, but uh, but to kind of balance the books, there's been a load of outgoings. Now I know I've talked about some of these already, but here are the outgoing. Early on in the transfer window, Andre Santos and Gustavo Scarpa were sold slash sent back to their club. Um, I think last week I spoke about Emmanuel Dennis being loaned to somewhere uh, back to Watford, and Scott McKenna being loaned to FC Copenhagen. Since then, we've had uh, Jonathan Panzo. Uh, as well as the standard Liège, I think. Um, Alex Mighton has gone to Port Vale. Brandon Aguilera, who had a nice little kind of cameo in the FA Cup the other week against Blackpool, and I think came on for Forest in the league at some point. Um, ah, what was it? Came, came on in the league when they lost to Arsenal. Uh, he has gone to Bristol Rovers. And scored an absolute worldy this weekend. I, I was going to say he's got an absolute pinger. <laughs> um, we've had, as I said, Ethan Horvath has gone to Cardiff on a permanent deal. Um, shame for him because I think he, he was in goal for Luton last year as they got promoted and Luton pinned him off. Um, and then post hour, uh, oh no, and then on transfer deadline day, Oriel Mangale. He's played really well in centre mid, went to Leon, but for again up to 30 million, it's a loan with very easy to achieve things that turn it into a permanent deal. I think it's a bit like the Chris Wood play three games kind of thing, uh, but he's gone to Leon for up to 30 million, which turns into a 200% profit. We paid 10 million, we're getting possibly 30. So that's a good chunk to the FFP, as it were. And then post-English um, post, post English, um, 
deadline, we've had three players go to uh, go to Turkey. Wang Huizhou, uh, who has barely set foot in Nottingham, he's gone to somewhere in 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 um, in Turkey. Serge Aurier has gone to Trapsport, I think. Um, yeah, on a permanent. Um, I think the writing was on the wall for him when he came when Nuno took over because he wasn't a fan of him at Tottenham um, and he hasn't played much at Forest. And then the last one, which kind of tugs on the heartstrings a little bit, is Joe Worrell going to Besiktas on loan for the rest of the season. I don't think it's with a view to a permanent move, but I suspect we've seen him in a Forest shirt for the last time, um, which is a shame. But either someone near the top of the championship next year will pick up a very good player or somebody getting promoted next year will probably pick up a very good player. Um, yes, I mean, if either of your two sides are either on the way up or still there but looking to push on, Joe Worrell, yeah, I think it kind of tugs on that kind of like, he's a Nottingham lad, he's played for the team for so long, he was the club captain, it all turned a bit sour when everything was going sour at the club. Um, yeah, it's kind of the nasty side of Cooper's legacy, I think, is that kind of thing of if you crossed him, you were out in the cold and nobody really knew why and no one would discuss it, but it was glaringly obvious that he was pissed off with you. Um, so, yeah, Joe Worrell on his way out, um, which is a shame. There you have it. Nottingham Forest business wrapped up. That just leaves us with the, dare I suggest, supermarket sweep-esque uh, transactions that were going on at the uh, MKM Stadium this transfer window. So, some people online have said it's potentially been one of the best transfer windows for a championship club ever. I would suggest you know that... I, I, I think I think it's I think it could definitely be agreed. I, I would suggest that now is not the time to judge that, and we'll talk about that maybe in three months' time from now. Um, because if they're all injured and absolutely knacked in two weeks, then uh, no, it's not. Uh, so the list here follows. Um, we've got lots of ins and outs, so we'll start start with a few outs. Harry Vaughan. Um, has gone on loan to Bristol Rovers for the rest of the season. I noticed during Matt's uh, readings there as well, we've had a few players either from or to the same team. So some of our uh, former players are going to be mixing it up for the rest of the season or possibly have uh, created a space whereby, well, you know, one of us created a space that the other team has filled sort of thing. So uh, we've had an in and an out in the sense of Oscar Estepinion has been recalled from his loan at Mets to be loaned out again. But that's not happened. But he's not back in Hull, so God knows what's happening with that one. Um, uh, yeah, tell me about it. Bizarre. Do you remember that about a year ago now, we talked about a young man called Uriel Selly? Chelly? No. No, no, not ringing any bells. No, this was the kid that we bought um, and from Universitario de Deportes a year ago with a view to bringing him in at some point. 
Well, he's had that loan extended for another year. So a player that we bought a year ago still hasn't even been to Hull. But officially, that was re-signed. Um, Dogakun Sinek has been loaned out to Hatay Spore for the rest of the season. And when I say loaned out, again, not been in Hull for quite some time as far as I'm aware. So was probably already there or thereabouts. Um, Timothy Lotatala has been loaned out to Doncaster for the rest of the season, so they've got a, a, a keeper. Um, when Harry Vaughan went, I felt sorry for one of my boys because he picked he picked Oscar Estepinion as his favourite player last year, and then he left. And then this year, he picked Delap, and then Delap's got badly injured. So he was like, oh, well, okay, Harry Vaughan's my new favourite now, and now he's gone. So we have a little chat, and his favourite player from now until the end of the season is going to be Matt Ingram. Um, for no reason. Um, yeah, so uh, Donny have got a, a decent keeper there. I, I feel sorry for the lad, because I always thought he was pretty good from when we'd seen little bits of him. But much like Forrest, with four keepers in the building one of them was probably going to go and it's been him um, Ryan Woods came back and then was loaned out to Exeter City on loan for the rest of the season um, and oh, um, Fleming has come back from his loan at Shrewsbury which was bizarre because that was confirmed after the transfer window shut so I don't really know what happened with that one, whether actually he's going to be a fringe player or whether just something went a bit weird and they didn't get him back in time to get any paperwork through, but I guess we'll, we'll find out. Um, so in terms of actual ins that happened between the last podcast and this one, um, we had, now again, going to butcher this, Abdul Qadir Omar from uh, Trabzonspor, has been signed on a permanent deal of three and a half years for an undisclosed fee. Uh, he's a creative midfielder, Turkish international. So, uh, for those of you keeping oh. score, check that one off your bingo card. Um, and we've had on the the last deal of the transfer window for us was on deadline day, and we've had Anas Zaruri from Burnley on loan for the rest of the season um, it was quite late on in the day I'd already gone to bed um, but he's a winger and he arrived I think on the Thursday which was the transfer deadline day and he started and played on Saturday and looked pretty good but I guess we'll get to that shortly so yeah a lot of names a lot of movement and um, a good old reshuffle They've definitely cut some of the um, the deadwood. I'm hoping players like Harry Vaughan, um, will, you know, will, will come back from their loan. Um, but we'll we'll see. I think he's got he's got a bit of work to do to prove himself, and he'll definitely make a dent in in the lower divisions if he uh, if he can get some game time. But in terms of the players coming in. Um, so many have come in over the, the the course of January. It's it feels like to to quote like, Matt Matt's team have done a reverse for us. We've actually just seen that and gone, oh, this is how we do it, is it? And they're sort of 
carbon copy of sort of pinged as many through the door as we can seemingly but it's a statement of intent for sure I would say they've, they've they haven't they haven't signed anybody that I would class as completely terrible although granted I don't know a lot about Omer from Trubs uh, and Spore um, other than that he already needs a haircut um, yeah. other than that we'll we'll find out the rest of it seems to be pretty good business from what I can see so fingers crossed for the rest of the scene. Yeah, it almost looked as if they'd taken that sort of strike whilst the iron is hot sort of approach. They're within touching distance of the playoffs. I mean, you could say that about eight teams in the championship because it's so congested. But obviously, you're looking at about, as it stands, ten teams playing for what looks like it's going to be two spots. Yeah, exactly. So, the, the there was quite a lot of outs obviously this this week um, and again there was stuff doing the rounds about how they were having to be careful because of the financial fair play even in the championship which I, I can the amount that's happened I can see why they've, they've had to be careful and like some, some of the values that even for the loan fees they'll have been paying for like people like you know Tyler Morton earlier in the season um, for the for, for the remainder of the season as well, and then uh, Cavalio from Liverpool. I can't imagine that those loan fees are uh, small, um, and the, the the value of uh, it's, it's all right saying undisclosed, but somebody somewhere has got to know for in terms of balancing the books, aren't they? So yeah, that is the thing. So there you go. That is your transfer roundup done. For the January 2024 transfer window. That just leads us to go through week 27's fixtures and then predict week 28's games. We're going to take a small, short break just to compose ourselves and then we'll dive straight back in with week 27's first fixture, which was Hull City versus Millwall. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Recording in progress. Welcome back on in. So, yes, as we said before the break, our first game of Week 27's fixtures was indeed Hull City taking on Millwall, and this was a Saturday fixture nonetheless. Uh, How did it feel to be back at the MKM on a Saturday at 3pm? It was almost, almost like football was a real thing again. I know. But no, it was good. Um, we uh, met up with some friends and stuff before the game. Had a little toddle down. It was like old times. Um, as I mentioned, we had Zerubi starting, um, having only signed for the club a few days earlier, and um, Ryan Giles also starts. Um, it was... It was bizarre. I don't know what was more bizarre, having a three o'clock Saturday kickoff or actually having a left back on the pitch. Um, it, it was, yeah, touch and go. But yeah, um, the the game started amazingly. Hull were absolutely dominant for the first half. Um, however, they only managed to score one goal in all of that time, which was Jaden Philogene on five minutes. New boy Zaruri picked the ball up on the uh, 
right hand edge of the box and absolutely rifled it at the key, well towards the goal which the keeper saved um, only to be sort of like palmed back out into the uh, the path of Philogene who neat touch to control it and then absolutely slapped it into the bottom right hand corner of the goal and um, MKM went absolutely nuts it was looking grand could have been a cricket score but like I say it petered out to to only being 1-0 at half time Lots of possession, lots of possession, uh, but just nothing really done with it. There wasn't, there wasn't really any testing of the keeper other than that uh, sort of parry and then um, goal. It, it was, yeah, we 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 were definitely drilling the new boys in how we like to play keep ball these days. Put it that way. Um, second half started very much the same, but unfortunately after. About 10 minutes or so, Millwall decided that they were going to turn up. But it wasn't terrible because they decided to uh, also not score as well. So the entire game, Hull had over 60% possession and only two shots on target. Millwall, for their trouble, only had one shot on target. Um, but say the one that counted was after, uh, the one after five minutes. Philogene scores the winner, early doors, um, Hull three points on the board, back up into the playoff positions. So, happy, happy Saturday. All around, happy, happy stuff. From the podcast predictions, for the first time in non-existence, the least optimistic person on the podcast is Mr Andrew Cook, who had gone for a 1-1 draw. Sharp and Honeyman to each get a goal. No points for Mr. Cook. Honeyman did get well, on the pitch, though, you'll be pleased to know. He, he got subbed on in the second half. We'll give, him a little, we'll give him a little sort of note in the book that he got that right, I suppose. Yeah? No? Okay. Me and Matt had both gone for... Me and Matt had both gone for 2 1 Hull wins. Sadly, neither of us had picked Philogene as the goal scorer. But Mr Woodmansey, I think he'd seen this one in his crystal ball, as he had predicted. 1-0 Hull. Philogene to score. So not only does he get two points for the correct score, not only does he get the bonus point for the correct goal scorer, he gets the other bonus point for being spot on the money. So four points that one game just for Mr Wilkinson well played to you sir our second game of the week was my boys Middlesbrough taking on Sunderland this one was live on Sky Sports television um, to say it was a North East Derby although Sunderland don't treat it as a North East Derby so don't ever say it's a North East Derby but as soon as they lose it they get pretty pissed off about it being a North East Derby um, yeah, to say that it was a derby, it didn't really have that much needle to it. Fans were a little bit in and out. Uh, the the play was not great. A lot of loose passes. Hayden Hackney, probably the worst for that. Um, an awful lot of uh, spray balls being sort of played around, not not finding their target. Um, the first half petered out to a, a bit of a drab nil-nil. Both sides had chances but were unable to uh, to capitalise. 
Sunderland probably had the best chance uh, where they had one cleared off the line. Um, Middlesbrough could have taken the lead when Finnezaz had an open goal to aim at, but kind of snatched at his effort and blazed it way over the bar. So we got into nil. We got into half time at nil nil. This time, Sunderland decided to keep all 11 players on the field as opposed to the game earlier in the season where they thought they were really going to have someone sent off on the stroke of half-time. Um, second half started in much a similar sort of vein where neither side could really get on top um, until, just double-check the, the minute of the first goal, as it was, Middlesbrough took the lead. Um, they took the lead... On the 61st minute, when they uh, they got a free kick uh, just outside the box, and instead of whipping it into the box as you would normally, they worked a uh, training ground routine where the ball was played to the edge of the box with a couple of different passes. Sam Greenwood latched onto it and had an absolutely horrendous shot that was going nowhere near, and cannoned into the path of Marcus Force, who controlled it and finished first time past the goalkeeper. Lovely finish, but a terrible terrible effort from Sam Greenwood um, one of those ones where you really disgusted that that player gets the assist for the, uh, for the terrible late chance that they've taken to score um, from there Borough should have done what they've done in uh, other games this season oh, well they should, have done, they should have done what they what they've failed to do in other games this season and the one game that came to mind unfortunately for me was the Middlesbrough 1 Hull 2 game as Middlesbrough were in absolutely no danger in that game, conceded a stupid equaliser, and then went on to lose the game 2-1. Thankfully, this wasn't a carbon copy of that. However, they did concede an incredibly sloppy equaliser that just came out of nowhere. Um, the ball had been pulled long, made its way up to, and I've got to double-check this guy's name, Nazari Rusin, who'd come on in the second half as a substitute for Sunderland, who just had a bit of a pop from the edge of the box. Speculative effort, bounced in front of the goalkeeper and he obviously forgot where his hands were as uh, he was unable to keep out of the net. Uh, just one of those ones where you just watch it back and it doesn't get better with time. It's just a, a standard, just like, just like, all he had to do was follow the flight of the ball, palm it away to safety or take it into his chest and he decides to do it. Goes in his near post, he's there looking like he's got egg on his face. Sunderland were let back into the game they had absolutely no business getting back into um, and from there that was in the 83rd minute and neither team could uh, could capitalise and go for the winner so being out to a 1-1 draw um, I've been optimistic in the run-up in the run to this and have gone for a 2-0 win Greenwood and Azaz to score so when Azaz missed that open goal I was really happy uh, Andy had gone for a 2-1 uh, with Greenwood and Semedo score, sorry, Greenwood for, for Borough, Sutherland, but Semedo, but also had fours to score for the Borough, so basically a bonus point for the goal scorer. Now, whilst they did pick the correct goal scorer, Mr. Woodmanty and Mr. Moore both did pick a 1-1 draw, so getting themselves two points for the result. Our next game takes us over to Bournemouth, where Bournemouth took on Nottingham Forest. Now, the first thing I was asked to ask before you give us the details of the game, was the stadium okay, Matt? It's what's on everyone's lips. Well, it was, it's been, obviously, it's been very windy over exactly. the past few weeks. 
Forest have lots of players at AFCON and, you know, quite a few players out, the, the stadium held up against the 40 to 45 to 50 mile an hour winds that were bashing as a thing. So, yeah, the game went ahead. And apparently Forest didn't switch on because uh, within five minutes, Justin Clivert, yes, that Clivert, that family, um, I mean... He's absolutely done his teammate, to be honest. But his teammate's on loan from Leeds, so screw him. Uh, because <laughs> it was a flick on at the corner in, flick on at the front, uh, like at the front, at the front, front post, and yeah, it was pretty much in the goal. But he made he made sure of it, so tapped it in just like his dad. Um, so one 0 to Bournemouth. Not the new goalkeeper's fault. I, I, not not very much you could have done about it. Um, but kind of Forest, Forest kind of toiled away. Uh, apparently, well, looking at the stats, had over fifty, like generally fifty-five percent of the uh, of the possession through the match. Um, and just before half time, Callum Hudson Vadoy scored. It feels like a carbon copy of the goal he scored against Bournemouth earlier in the season. Gets the ball on the left, cuts in, cut, kills it around the keeper. Um, Nice finish. Um, from there, I think Forrest had a few chances. Uh, Bournemouth had a few chances, but it was kind of petering out into a draw until... Always had a bit of a dislike for Billy. I, even whenever I've seen him in like the low, like playing in the championship. And, my God, the rake of the boots down the back of Callum Hudson's Adoy in fact... Uh, uh, down the back of Callum Adoy, uh, Hudson Adoy's Achilles was quite shocking and he got a red card which was fully deserved but apparently that's something just happens in football yeah. yeah it just happens in football it doesn't happen with intent like he went with that was nasty it, it's, the, it's the challenge that I other than like a straight leg breaker where they've like sort of got you like right in between the knee and the sort of the, and the, and the, the foot, where they've gone to break the leg. It's the challenge that I hate the most because if, if they catch, if they nick that tendon, you're done for like 12 months. Yeah, 12, 18 months. It's a nasty, it's a long term injury that one. And we know, I mean, Callum Hudson Adoy has made a glass anyway. Um, exactly. So, I mean, it was, I'd, I, I hadn't seen it until earlier tonight. And I was like, ooh, that is a really, it's a nasty bastard challenge. It's like, it doesn't need to be done. It didn't need to be done. You know, if you want to stop the attack, because Forrest run the attack, just kick his legs from underneath him. Do it, like, do a man's challenge, not a, not a, a whipped challenge. That's just like a soft chai kind of thing, that one. It's just, it, it's a bit of a bitch move would be my kind of thing. It's, uh, yeah. But unfortunately, Forrest couldn't take advantage of them being down to 10 men. I mean, 84 minutes is kind of getting towards the end of the game and I think it's always just kind of, oh, you know, you can go out and win it from here. And you're like, yeah, but the players are probably knackered. And, yeah, petered out into a one-all draw. A decent result, I think, because I, I, was, I was worried that we might go there and get absolutely stomped on. Particularly when I saw that Dominic Solanke scores against Forrest all the time, apparently. Yeah, I suppose a point away from home is always uh, always has to be looked at as a good point, to be honest with you. Um, 
Matt had gone for a 2-2 draw in this one. Solanke and Billing to score for Bournemouth. He didn't get a goal. He didn't get himself sent off for uh, Gibbs, White and a one-year. So sadly, Matt had picked the wrong double-barreled surname fella. Um, myself, Stu and Andy had all gone 1-1 draws. So we bagged ourselves two points as opposed to Matt's one point of the draw. Uh, be it, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Me and Andy had both gone for Solanke to score. Um, and then I, I also had gone for the wrong double-barreled surname. I'd gone for Gibbs White as well. And Andy had Wood. Um, Stu, on the other hand, had gone with Dominguez as his Nottingham Forest goal scorer. But Clivert as his Bournemouth goal scorer. So back to a bonus point for the goal scorer. Next up, Mr. Andrew Cooks. Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. We're taking on Wolverhampton Wanderers. And I know what you're thinking. Mr. Cook, he's settling in now. He's got his Stamford Bridge, uh, you know, tour booked in. He's got that tattoo sorted. He's got it, he's got it booked. He's bought his first season ticket for next season, knowing that they're going to go unbeaten between now and then. He's got his Chelsea shirt with Cook on the back. You have to put all that on the internet, lads. As Chelsea lost 2-4. Who saw, who saw Wolves going 4 at Chelsea? Certainly not this guy. Uh, Cole Palmer and Thiago Silva with the goals for Chelsea. But a Matthias Cunha hat-trick and an own goal from Axel de Sassi meant that Wolves ran out 4-2 winners. Um, and by the sounds of it, I didn't, I didn't catch it. This, this wasn't the game that was live on Sky, sadly. Um, so I'd have had to, I, I, haven't, I haven't had a chance to see Matt for the day too, so I haven't seen any highlights. But it sounds like Chelsea weren't looking at this one. They were just soundly beaten in this one. doesn't sound like they were ever in the game, really. Um, and uh, just keeps a bit more pressure back on Mr. Pochettino. Whereas he was already under a little bit of pressure, but we'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, you'll be surprised to hear that all of us have gone for Chelsea wins. I'd gone 1-0 with Mudrick. That was a mistake. <laughs> Stewart gone for 2-0 with Fernandez and Palmer. So he does get himself a bonus point for a goal scorer. Matt had gone 3-1 with Fernandez, Sterling and Palmer. And had also picked Cunha. Score for Wolves against so himself two bonus points for the goal scorers. Andy had gone 2 0 with Sterling and Palmer. Get a goal, so gets himself a bonus point. Two games left, and the first of which, or oh, well, both of these were uh, FA Cup third, uh, fourth round replays, and uh, we start with Nottingham Forest taking on Bristol City. Um, on paper, probably sounded like it was. Um, a fairly straightforward Forest win, and um, about ten or ten or so minutes it looked that way. Oh, was it? Did, did the first goal go in within the first ten minutes? Five minutes, I think it scored. Right, um, so Divock Div- 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 scored Divock So he got his first goal for the club. Um. Debatable, debatable. It looks 
like handball. I've not seen it. I've not seen any good angles on it. But I, I think I read on because obviously it was nowhere to be seen anywhere. So last night I settled down to try and watch it, and nope, um, not even like on a red button or something like that. Not a chance. Um, and on the uh, on the BBC text thing, it said right footed shot from from in the box. Um, it looked like right handed shot in the, right next to the line. Um, so yeah, one um, nil, and just thought, all right, brilliant. See if we go one nil up. Brilliant. This is going to be nice, easy work kind of thing. Uh, no, no. A few minutes later. Uh, Bristol City equalised. Good shot from outside of the box from one of their players. Matt Turner, who was back in the net, made a really good save. Went for the, the classic all hit the post, rolled along the line, hit the other post, came out, and Knight, Jason Knight, I think his name was, I don't know how he finished it, but it ended up looping over the top of Turner, who was recovering into the back of the net. Uh, then, yeah, no more goals. Um, looked like Bristol City had probably some of the cosh a little bit, particularly through extra time. Um, get through extra time. Through to penalties. Forrest didn't miss a penalty. I missed who missed the Bristol City one. But 5-3 Forrest win on penalties. Um, through to Man United. Forrest Man United at the City Ground. On the 27th of February, I want to say, it is that one is on the telly box. Very nice. Matt Turner saved Sam Bell's penalty to see the host of a 5-3 shootout. So Sam Bell ended their hopes of getting through. Should we try to get something else? But I can't, I can't put two and two together there, unfortunately. So we'll have to just move on swiftly. Um... Uh, we'd all gone for, for, for a Forest win. So because the game finished the draw, I'd given none of us points. Which I think is fair. I know Forest have progressed, but it was on penalty, so I'm not giving anyone points there. Uh, and sadly, none of us picked Origi all night to score. So no points for any of us in that game. Um, the game that was on the TV in lieu of Nottingham Forest versus Bristol City was Aston Villa versus Chelsea. Uh, and even though it was on TV, I failed to see anything, uh, as I uh, was indisposed, so I was unable to watch it. Uh, did anyone see any of this game? A little bit. Chelsea were absolutely on one. Yeah. It's seemingly, they'd had a rocket after the Wolves game, realised that the FA Cup might be their only chance of doing anything this season, and um, came out and played like their wives were being held hostage, to be fair. Um they, but the, I don't know which one of the goals it was, whether it was the, the, the first, second, or indeed third. Um, but it came from a free kick. It was Fernandez that scored the free kick, but in the build-up to it, the ref gave it as a foul, and it was the worst case of air shot you've ever seen. So the the, the kid goes to swing his right foot at it, nicks it off his left toe just as the defenders got a little bit too close to him. Didn't touch the player or the ball, but yeah, the, the ball sort of bundled off of the, off of the, 
the toe of his left boot and as he went to try and smash it with his right foot kicked through so hard that he almost backflipped himself onto the ground and the ref gave it as a free kick much to the uh, disgust of the uh, Villa faithful but um, the free kick that followed it nobody was keeping that out it was an absolute peak yeah yeah I think I mean Martinez even got a hand to it didn't he but it was like as the was not staying out. As as they said on the commentary, I think at the time actually, by the time he touched it, three quarters of the ball was already over the line. So it was. Uh... <laughs> Jackson's finish was nice as well. Nice header. Mm. Yeah, with just just going back to the Fernandez free kick. Obviously, that was international colleagues going up against each other because obviously they're both Argentinian him and uh, Emiliano Martinez in the Villa goal. So I imagine he probably had a, quick, a, a little a little wry smile at him as, uh, as that one was sailing into the net. Um, yeah, so it's strange on this one because obviously Villa had, had that massive long unbeaten run at home, uh, and the last two they've been absolutely pummeled. Chelsea and Newcastle turned up and done a bit of a job on them, so one each. Um, yeah, so three one it finished in the end. Diaby scored for Villa, Gallagher, Jackson, Fernandez for Chelsea. Um, I'd gone for a 2-1 win um, Watkins and Diaby start for the Villa Palmer to start for Chelsea so I do get myself a bonus point for the goal scorer Stewart gone for a 1-1 draw Watkins and Sterling so no points there um, Matt and Andy had both gone for Chelsea wins so they get themselves a point for the result um, Matt had gone McGinn Sterling and Palmer and he'd gone 2-0 with Palmer and Chuck Wameka after I'd given him that name and um, he, he didn't even get on the pitch. Um, so, sorry about that, Andy. I kind of sold you down the river there, big man. <laughs> so, all that does for the week means that after six games, I had a huge four points. Well done, me. Big pat on the back. Andy, through six games, had five points. Matt, through six games, had seven points for taking the win. No one was ever really going to catch him after his four points in the first game. But with ten huge points for the week, Mr Stuart Woodmansey, well done, sir. Six games ahead of us in week 28. And we start with Mr Cook's new team of Wolverhampton Wanderers. So, this week your first... Your first Oh, oh, oh dear. So, someone is not happy that you're uh, supporting Wolves now, and it is not the members of my household, which is strange. Almost um, an actual wolf on the podcast, for a second. Yes, very much so. Uh, will this be your first trip to the black country, Mr. Cook? Is, is, there, is there a different way we can phrase that at all? Or? <laughs> that, that, is the, that is the term. That is the term for this particular part of the West Midlands. He's almost wearing the right colours as well, Andy. You've, you've thought he ahead is, here. He's almost gone old gold in his, uh, in his shirt, but uh, <laughs> sadly he has not. So, Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Brentford, Mr Cook's team. He will go last. Um, as usually tends to be the case, I have my bridge in front of me, so I will give them straight away. I've gone for a 2-2 draw here. Gone for a goal each from Cunha and Huang. Fresh off his uh, exploits in the Asian Cup. 
Hopefully he'll come back with a with a with a bang. Uh, and then I've gone for Tony, and oh, I've, I've absolutely shafted myself there. I've uh, I've put my second Brentford score down as a Wolves player. Oh gee, oh gee. Oh, do you know what? Bollocks to it. I'm going to roll with it. Sarabia, own goal. I'm going to go for it. It's in the book. I don't want to get all messy. So Tony and Sarabia with an own goal. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Stu, what have you got for Wolves Brentford? The YouTubers amongst you might have told from my face that I had also picked a 2-2 draw. Um, I've gone for Neto and Cunha to carry on his form. And uh, Tony and Mope. You appear to have mispronounced Shithouse while you're saying Mope. But I'll let you off. Uh, Matt? I've also gone for a draw, but just one each. Um, with Kuna and Tony. Go on, Andy. How do you see your first trip to Wolves settling you up? Not not great, because I've got them to get beat first game. 1-0. And I know what you're thinking. Andy, how could you possibly pick a Brentford goal scorer? Well, let me take you through my process. I opened the internet. I opened the Brentford page and I went, hmm... He looks familiar. So, uh, yeah, KLP for the goal. Ah, Keen. It's been a long Lewis. time coming, but the opportunity to say Keen Lewis Potter could not pass that up. Four years. What I was going to say was, you know that part of like sort of like TV shows where someone like goes into a ramp and it slowly just fades down them running, but you can still see their lips moving and the and the voiceover person goes. This is the part of the show where Andy went into his usual meltdown rant. If you'd like to hear anything else, please tune into so. It, it, it's funny because it, it it's like foreshadowing, isn't it? It's like there's <laughs> it's like there's a Preston game to predict. Oh dear. <laughs> I I couldn't possibly say anything. Um, but before we get to our second game, which sees Hull City taking on Swansea City. We are just going to step away momentarily to reconvene and we'll come right back at you with the rest of Week 28's predictions. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back soon. Recording in progress. Just like that, we're back at it. So, the next game on the list, Hull City taking on Swansea City. Battle of the Cities, yes, very much indeed. Uh, obviously, this one will be at the MKM, so he will be in attendance, more than likely. Dare I say, for the first of two games this week? I won't be at the MKM for both of those games, Paul. No, indeed. Very wrong. But we'll, get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that later on. So, yes, Hull City versus Swansea City. Um, I've gone 2-1 to Hull. Uh, goal each for Philogene and Zaruri. And then, just because I can, I've got wood. Andrew? Just 1-0 to Hull. With, uh, with, with Sharp. If, if that's, you know, 
acceptable. Very nice. Matthew? I've gone for a 2-1 Hull win with Philogene and Ohio. The Hull and Yates. That's one of it. Not the original, but probably still a bit of a shit house. Stu, how do you see it panning out? I have also gone for a 2-1 Hull win. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Sit yourselves down. I've predicted Hull to win two weeks in a row. Um, but yeah, I've got Cavalio and Shah for Hull. And I was looking at the Swansea squad list, who's played recently, and one name stood out on its own. Because it is just one name. And that man's name is Ronald... <laughs> so, I almost went for Ronald. Um, it, 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 was there any sort of indication as to where he's from? I mean, I, I can only assume McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Obviously, if you're listening, Ronald, reach out to us. Let us know just where you're from. Our next game sees Middlesbrough taking on the sloppiest of seconds from Nottingham Forest in Bristol City. Obviously, it's my team. I will therefore go last. Matt, what have you got down for Middlesbrough versus Bristol City? I've also gone for a 2-1 win for yourselves. Ooh, lovely. Hopefully Bristol City will be a bit knackered from mm. their exploits in the week. Uh, Greenwood and Force for your good sounds. And Conway for Bristol City. Phew. I also think Bristol will probably be a bit knackered from the FA Cup, so I've got you down for a 1-1 draw. So you lured me in there, as if to sort of say... <laughs> I'm going to give you some, some t- tasty wins here. Uh, I think they're going to be a bit knackered. So just the 4-0. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, Bristol have had a decent transfer window themselves, obviously signing Scott Twine and then him getting injured for the rest of the season um, <laughs> has helped their forward line no end. Um, so, no, I've got Azaz for Borough and Pring yep. for Bristol. Pring? Pring. Yeah, Pring, as not in, Pring. As in Ulls. Without the Ulls on the end. Yes. Maybe you might score two, because once he pops. <sighs> Andy! <laughs> um, I have gone with a 2 0 win for the Borough. Fours and Silvera. I too think that Bristol City may be a little bit tired from their exploits in the FA Cup, having to go that extra half an hour and penalties. So I've gone for a 1-0 Middlesbrough win with fours to get the goal. Although, apparently, keeping a clean sheet seems to be the last thing on Borough's mind at the moment. Uh, our next game is a live 5.30pm kickoff and sees Nottingham Forest taking on New Castle United. Ooh, it's Mr. Matmore's favourite time of the year. Ooh, you can just sense it. 
We'll come to him last as it is his team. Uh, let's go to Stu for his prediction first on this one. I've got another draw on the cards. Um, I, I know it's that age-old thing of it's a team that we don't particularly like against like my mate's team. So therefore, you want you want Forrest to win like five nil, but I just Newcastle have had this really kitty resurgence over the last few weeks that I'm not very comfortable with. Um, so I've gone for, I have gone for one one. Uh, I've got Big T to score for Forrest and uh, Gordon because if you're gonna pick a team you dislike. Pick the most horrible bastard in that team to score. I think he got taken off injured at the weekend, and I don't think it was one that looked like it was going to be done quick. Okay. I mean, you're more than welcome to stay with him if you want. To, to be honest, I mean, you've just made me feel a little bit better about the whole situation by bringing me that news, so. Um, I mean, let's th- let's think. Can I actually pick a striker that is either not injured or actually wanted by the club for Newcastle? Um, probably not. Well, I've already I've already written down the G, so I could just easily turn it into Gamarech if you wanted. To. Yeah, do that. And that's just as gross as Gordon. So yeah, horrible bastard. <laughs> Andy. I just just a one nil Forest win for me. Uh, I didn't realise there was all this drama required. Um, as I can no longer get my wood out, I will have to resort to old tactics and go with a one ye. That's why you got yourself injured. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've gone for a one one draw. Very similar to Mr. Woodmancy there. I have gone for Elanga to start for Forest and Wilson to start for Newcastle. He may have well been the striker that Mr. Woodmancy was alluding to that um, is not wanted. Uh, how do you see it panning out, Matt? Obviously, Boxing Day was very good. Will this be very bad? This is what I always worry about. You get the yin and the yang of like a really nice win on Boxing Day and then you kind of have to be brought back to earth for a bit. Of course, it'll be brought back to earth. I didn't get to brag to people who I have to interact with who are Newcastle fans on Boxing Day, even though if it does go wrong, they will be reminded of the fact that, you know, probably your Christmas, you dickheads. But I've gone for a two-all draw. I think Forrest can score goals. But we also like conceding goals, and uh, apparently after this weekend, so do Newcastle. So it, yeah, so it could be quite. The people at Sky might be rubbing their hands together. Cue it being nil-nil and absolutely drab. But um, but yeah, after Newcastle can scoring four and conceding four, um, I've gone for a two-all draw, slightly kind of sedate, more sedate than that. Um, I've gone a one year and Morgan Gibbs White. I mean, if rumours are to be true, add some zeros or add some extra millions onto what Newcastle are apparently going to buy him for. I can't imagine for one minute they're going to buy him, but considering we spent 42 million on him, 
can't imagine they've got enough money to buy him. Um, and then I've gone for Wilson and Barnes to play for Newcastle. Uh, to play for Newcastle. To play and also score for Newcastle. Right? It's better than that, though, Matt, because we know that Newcastle clearly have got the money, but they're just not allowed to use it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we can't. Oh, it's like, can't touch. Don't touch. Don't touch it. <laughs> the strip club of football. Oh, you just you, you really do love to see it. It's, it's such a good, it's such a good thing. Uh, so, our last two games of the week take place in the Championship midweek. And the first of which is the game we were referring to earlier, which sees Rotherham United taking on Hull City. And uh, this is the game we were referring to, which you may be in attendance for, if, if I'm correct. Yep, that is correct. Uh, the, the tickets have been secured. Uh, we are venturing over to Rotherham to take in my first away game in many years, but also my boy's first ever away game. So it'll be an uh, interesting experience all round, I think. To, to, to say that Sarah's absolutely cacking her pants about it, yeah, she's, she's, she's a bit worried. They the sold out the ticket allocation as well, so the atmosphere in our end should be uh, pretty fun. Very, very nice. Um, I'm hopeful that the boys' first away visit will be a fruitful one, as I've gone for a 2-0 hole win. Gone for two fan and Carvalho to score. Matt, what have you got down for Rotherham Hull? It's a, sorry, Matt. If, if you if you remember, Paul, the boys' first ever home game was also a two 0 win against a certain team. Oh. Sorry, sorry did, I, did, I, did I say a two 0 Hull win? I meant a two 0 Rotherham win. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Matt. Bob. I've gone for a 2-1 Hull win with Wyke scoring for Rotherham and Philogene and Carvalho scoring for Hull. Andy? I've got a one-all draw. I've got Eves. Rotherham and uh, Zorori for Hull as I'm reliably informed definitely getting getting amongst it so uh. so the game's going to mean a lot how do you see it planning well I can't see that it's going to be um, more of an actual game for football than the Swansea game will be. I have a feeling this may be a little more scrappy. However, um, as we discussed earlier on, with the investments in the team and all the rest of it, I'm really hopeful that we'll have enough um, to, to play them off the park. And Rotherham have been one of the worst sides. That Rotherham and Huddersfield have probably been the worst two sides I've seen at, at our, our place all season. So um, I, I have gone for a whole win. Andy went old boy rule, but when I had a little look at the team of late, he's only been coming off the bench. So I had a little look around and I thought, mm, I can I can go old boy rule as well. 
So stick Klukas down for the Rotherham goal. Um, good old Sammy Clueless back in the uh, back in the fold. Um, but for Hull, I have three goal scorers. Two fan because he loves a goal in a scrappy game. Is that lad? Philogene uh, and much like Mr. Cook, Zorori. Very nice indeed. And our final game of the week sees Preston North End taking on my team, Middlesbrough. Now, I know that Mr. Cook has some thoughts on uh, Preston North End, or certainly their website setup. So let's go to Mr. Cook first. And um, this might be the time to uh, get the earplugs in, ladies and gentlemen, as I feel a rant's coming. Can someone give me 30 seconds? On, oh, no, sorry, that's, that's a different podcast. That's a different podcast. Go on, Mr. Cook. How difficult is it to have a reasonable website? Give us a clue what position people play. I don't care who sponsors the player. I have no interest. I just want to know, is it a forward? Is it a midfielder? Is this person... Even playing for the club is my, my new favourite issue. Preston, I believe you've been on blast before for your garbage website. I, I am putting you on the clock. If you don't sort it out, there's going to have to be issues, problems. I'm going to take offence at this point. Like an Eminem disc right to the website. <laughs> That being said, I have given Preston a goal. Now, as we can tell, it was very difficult to find who was going to score that goal. They nearly didn't score a goal because I couldn't find a player. But uh, keen to score the one goal for Preston. Uh, however, Borough are going to turn up with their gleaming delightful website and stick two right down their bad website throat. Greenwood and Silvera. Matt, what have you got down for PNE Borough? I've gone for a one-all draw. Preston seems to be good at home. Uh, Keen and fours. Stu? Um, don't shout, Paul. I have a really bad feeling about this game. Because, as Matt alluded to, Preston are good at home. So I'm really sorry to say, but I've put Preston down for a one-nil win. Doesn't even give him a goal. Oh, with with Reese to score. You know, you say that they're good at home. Are they good at home because they're not spending time on their website? They're they're just putting it all out there on the pitch. They've got no time for this internet nonsense. They're just like, got to we've got to leave it all on the pitch, guys. Because we're getting a lot of flack for the website, so we've got to got to get them goals on the pitch. Because otherwise, 
would be a terrible team with a terrible website. So. It's a small town in Lancashire. They've just got dial up. What do you want from them? <laughs> a a no, chance. For me, a chance. For me, it's more the fact that I'm going off Andy's logic. The, the worse the team, the better the website will be. And stuff like that. Because they're obviously not putting the effort in on the pitch. So they're just translating it to making sure the website's constantly updated and stuff like that. It's, it's, a great, it's a great thought for us. I love it. Um, so, Preston North End Middlesbrough is uh, a repeat of Michael Carrick's first game in charge, which they lost 2-1. I think they'll go slightly better this time, as I've gone for a 2-2 draw. Um, I also have gone for Reese to score for Preston, and I've also gone for Brown, which could be interesting, and I'm pretty sure he's a defensive midfielder. But then that would be typical Borough. So I've also gone for Greenwood and Azaz to score for Borough. That is all six games done and dusted. Do we have odds? Uh, no, there were so many games this week uh, I got way too excited. And last week, last week, not all of the teams won, drew or lost together. But had I have put the score predictions on for the first three games of the weekend, as it would have been, um, I actually got all three scores right, so I was a little bit cross about that. Yeah, you'd have, uh, you'd have, got, a pretty, you'd have got a pretty penny on that as well. Yeah, that, 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 ladies and gentlemen, brings us to the end of your football updates this week. Or does it? Because if you listen carefully, you may hear the sound of a ominous gong going off. Um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll divert to uh, either one of Ma- Matt or Stu to give the details of this particular doozy as um, Saudi Arabia strikes again, shall I say? Well, Matt, I, I hadn't, I hadn't. Matt, Matt had sent it through first, so if you you want the honours, Mister Moore, you found it. So. I I didn't read it; I just saw it. So I was like, <laughs> "What the hell have you read? Have you read it, Stu?" Um, only only basically that it's you know we're we're, we're a good portion of the way through the football seasons around the world now, and um, as with everything in sport, ultimately the biggest and Somewhat strangest things will will usually end up in Saudi Arabia. Um, it's the the cup, the season cup final, uh, to be played between Al Nassar and Al Hilal. And you know it'll be be just like the FA Cup final here. They'll they'll fill the national stadium. They'll have all of the pageantry of having the royal family there to present the the trophy and and you know the the, the FA dignitaries and. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. They absolutely won't. The Season Cup in Saudi Arabia this year has been presented to the winning team by none other than The Undertaker. Actual WWE Hall of Fame legend extraordinaire, The Undertaker. And the pictures that they've taken to promote this, it's not you know, American Badass Undertaker. It's not retired Mark Calloway, I'm going to wear 
this t-shirt I'm currently trying to sell on the internet, Mark Calloway. It's full trench coat, black hat undertaker. Um, I really hope it's not that hot in Saudi Arabia when he turns up to do this, because he's going to be sweating his bollocks off in that, in that trench coat. I don't know if the camera will pick this up so well. Um, but the Oh yeah, there you go. Andy's got a little video of him lifting the cup. He's not even playing for the team. What is he doing? Um, <laughs> oh, God. I don't know if I don't know if it comes across so well, but the, uh, the the cup being shaped like the the World Cup and the black cover being over it in front of him in a black trench coat makes it look like his wife is one very lucky lady. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Paul, Paul, Paul spotted it. Just. Andy was picking wood again for a second. Just, just a wonderful, wonderful cross, cross, I was going to say cross-breeding there. Definitely don't mean cross-breeding. Cross-branding. <laughs> Jesus. There's a Freudian stuff I've ever seen. Yes, cross-promotion, cross cross-branding between football and the WWE. Very nice. You'd love to see it right in our particular wheelhouse right here at the CookieCast Podcast Network. Yeah. That's it for another week. Thank you to you guys uh, for joining me to go through the League of Thursday Our Teams. Thank you to all of you for listening and tuning in and watching it and whatnot. Join us again next week where we'll do it all over again and bring you some more delicious, tasty football news. But until then, Take care of yourselves. Make sure you look out for each other as well. We'll see you next week. Bye! So there we go, what do you think of that? Another one done, another one gone. Another week of games gone, another week of games to look forward to. What more could you want from a football podcast? Before you go, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. Leave a review where you can leave a review. And check out the website thecookiecast.com there we've got social media links and an email button and that way you can get in touch with us that's it for this one until next time i'm going to say bye and i'll see you then thank you for listening to these grumpy old men talk about football if you've enjoyed this episode please like share and subscribe